If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, how are you? Um, thanks a million for listening to another episode, if you've decided to listen to another one. Um, this one is really great. Um, our guest today is a guy called Ayrton Walsh, and he just finished his degree in GMIT. I won't say much more about him because he'll introduce himself now in a minute. But he is such an inspiring guy. Um, he talked so honestly and he was really, really brave um, on this podcast, as everyone who comes on is. Um, he talked about his childhood, his experience uh, growing up in a neglect- neglectful excuse me, uh, environment um, with an irresponsible parent. Um, his transition moving into Galway starting a new school being bullied in secondary school and his huge transformation and journey um to becoming who he is today um with the use of you know counseling and exercise um he talks about his experience with martial arts and what it's ta- taught him um like the skills it's taught him in life He's such an interesting, lovely person. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for you to hear this episode. I don't want to, you know, give anything away. You'll hear when he speaks. Like he's such a great story to tell. Um, so yeah, uh, I hope you enjoy it. And thanks for listening again. Cool. Yeah. So my name is Erson Walsh. I'm originally from Carlo, but I moved to Go when I was about eleven or twelve. Um, I graduated with a BSc in sports and exercise science from GMIT. I've uh, been working there as a the graduate mentor this year. And then in September, I'm uh, doing a master's of research scholarship in concussion in women's sports. So you moved from Carlo to Galway when you were 11 or 12? Um, yes, was- it was back in like 2012, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. And how was working um, in Carlo? Carlo, like, I don't know how many followers I have online from Carlo, but I didn't like Carlo. So I, yeah, I have to be respectful about it. But yeah, I didn't like Carlo too much. Um, I was born in about 98. I started remembering Carlo from when I was about four years of age. Um, I grew up there with my mom and my older brother. He's about three years older than me. And um, we had didn't have a great living situation, I suppose. We were definitely like that lower uh, income family. My mom didn't really work. She was um, a bit too fond of the drink, I would say. And she wasn't a, overall, wasn't, wasn't a nice person. Um, so I never really got like the childhood that, you know, uh, like I was in primary school and I was looking around with the other kids and I never really had the life that they had. I never really had a, a happy home life as like I'd go to school and then wouldn't really have a packed lunch. And then I'd go 
go home. Well, straight after school, I'd end up going, uh, finding out which pub my mom was in and going to that pub and doing my homework, you know, on a bar stool and then um, maybe having a takeaway in the evening for, for dinner if I was lucky. Otherwise, I'd go home and eat toast or something and, and then, you know, listen to her crying herself to sleep, that, that sort of crack. So it, was, it wasn't, um, really difficult it wasn't a great situation. Yeah, to, yeah. Like come home and go to school. Um, where was your yeah. dad in all this? Uh, so they would have separated my dad <laughs> my dad was cute enough to get out early um, so probably when I was a few weeks old um, they separated um, I think from his point of view once she got pregnant with me um, she completely changed as a person and um, stopped being a nice person with him and um, so yeah when I was a few weeks old they separated and she pushed him away from me as much as she possibly could um, and like when I was growing up, um, so my dad had another partner um, shortly after him and my mom separated and they've been together ever since. But um, when I was growing up, she met him out to be, you know, a terrible, terrible person. And um, likewise, myself, I'm like, I really used to remember being in the pub and she'd always be like, oh, Erson, what do you think of the, the girl? I won't say her name, but the girl. And then um, I used to call her a bitch and everyone would laugh and I thought that was you know, normal. But um but yes, yeah, so I, I didn't really know dad too well. Um, eventually he, he brought her to court to get some sort of access to me and he got to see me every second weekend, I want to say. But um, he used to work weekends as well. So I got to see him for a few hours and then I got to see my stepmom who I like, again, I taught you for, for what all I knew, she was a bitch. Um, yeah, she really wasn't, like, she's, didn't know any better. Yeah, yeah, but no, she's like the two of them you know, I don't know if I'd be here today if I didn't have both of them in my life. So yeah, yeah they they were great people. But um, but yes, yeah, so I didn't really know him growing up. Um, was really distant with uh, mom, and so the only person I really had as a child was my older brother. Yeah. And when I was, I didn't really have friends as well. I was quite introverted because obviously I had a fucked up life. Um, I didn't get to play sports like any any of the other kids because it was always. Mom was always in the pub and yeah, no one to she, bring their sports yeah yeah and she'd spend like even for me to go on a school tour as a child was a big deal like you know dad had to put money in for it as well and she'd always like fight about money because that was her drinking money if that yeah. makes sense like she used to have a briefcase with all her uh, financials down and she'd plan out everything so she'd always get her um fucking drinking basically mm-hmm. um so yeah so i never because obviously with kids they are expensive to raise and um so yeah so you know paying money for me to do sports wasn't an option and so I never really had social skills um never really learned any emotional skills I suppose as well because everything was so fucked up so yeah I did have my older brother and we were very close but um he was older was he sorry um so three three years older than me okay um so it's not too much but he was still like he's still we we had a very uh hit or miss relationship in the sense that like uh just younger brothers are growing up in a house together and we were always at each other's back but um always still there for each other at the same time but um I suppose the difference between us was with my situation I became really introverted I never left the house I had a playstation and that's all I did all day and then he started hanging around with lads and got up to no good that was his way of living or whatever and he used to get detention in school and stuff so he ended up moving um, eventually, my mother actually sent him to live with, in the UK with his dad. Um, I had two older siblings as well. They moved 
to the UK to live with, optionally uh, chose to live with their dad in the UK um, when I was quite young. So I never really knew them growing up, but um, my older brother was also their sibling. And um, so he went to live with them um, over in the UK. Um, so when he went, um, it only took me a year to leave Carlo mm-hmm. then because that was my, you know, my rock was gone, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And you were only 11 when he left. Yeah. And it, that kind of happened then, like, I'd, spa- I'd say in the space of like an hour, that was decided. Um, we had like two dogs. It was a funny situation. So we had two dogs uh, in the house and uh, one of them was just a young lab- Labrador puppy. And um, my mom used to always lock him in the shed, um, didn't like let him out. And like, it was kind of fucked up. And I remember like that used to really upset me. And then uh, she had locked him in there for like two days or something. And he was being a puppy. Uh, we had bags of concrete in there and he <laughs> tore the fucking things to shreds. And uh, I remember I was really angry at her. She she opened up the shed, so I saw the mess. Was like, "You're fucking cleaning that up." And I was like, ah. "I was just I, I suppose I was done with the situation." So I was like, "I'm not fucking doing that. That's mm-hmm. your fault for leaving a dog in there." And then uh, we got into a big argument. She was like, "Do you want me to call your dad? You can go live with him." And I was like, "Please, just do it." And yeah. then, so my dad called me a few minutes later, and I was like, "Can I move to Galway tomorrow?" And so yeah, so he drove down from Galway, picked me up, and then. That, that was it the next day I moved to Galway I wow. only said got to say goodbye to like one person I didn't have many friends to be fair but yeah I only got to say goodbye very quickly yeah and did you realize you know you were saying like you know about school tours and stuff like that asking for money like did you realize that was like you were different to other kids in that situation at the time uh, yeah definitely um it's a thing that's probably existed like throughout all my life for the most part anyway up until um the breakdown that like we'll discuss later on but um I always like looked around at other families and saw like love I suppose and saw you know the good things that people had when they cared for each other and yeah it was always like I never had that it was always like if I wanted something like I had to be an argument or there's always I don't know a struggle to get like the basic things and like it was so weird uh, to see and why I probably have a lot of distaste for my mother is how like selfish it was because like she used to get um, a lot of money from the government for me because she met out that I was really sick. I wasn't. Um, there's some condition, I forget what it is, but it's basically where you convince people that your child's sick and you convince the child that they're sick. Um, but she used to do it like for attention quite a bit. Uh, making up that I was really ill and I started to believe in myself um, but she used to get loads of money for it um, and so she'd always go and like she'd use that money uh, to pay for a drink and to go on like at least two holidays a year over to Spain and stuff like that and then you know we were living off toast and crackers it was kind of that oh. de- definitely saw that as like a, a shit situation yeah um, but yeah so I was probably I don't know I think that's why I probably struggled to get friendships and even when I started to get into relationships as well, I was looking at other people's family and I was meeting their family and seeing what normal was. And then I was like, you know, how do I introduce them to my life then? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it's so difficult, but like how as a child can even relate to that? You're looking at something completely unknown to you. Mm. Yeah, and trying, trying to comprehend it. Like even now it's it's very yeah. hard to co- uh, comprehend. Like I haven't, haven't spoke to her since... Um, so I moved when I, I think I was 11 and then I called, went back down to Carla to have one final conversation, maybe two or three months into that. And then I haven't spoken to her since. 
yeah. and she's blocked off social media and stuff like that apparently she was putting up photos uh, as if we were still talking um so oh, yeah so i haven't, haven't had that conversation. everything about how she's perceived like yeah 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 everyone wants to have the image that they've you know they keep in touch with the kids especially i think she when i moved away i was the final kid to move away and then i think some of her from what i hear anyway some of her friends you know that was kind of the final straw with them and they started to distance themselves from her as well because you know how can you let your kids you know do that like how can you yeah. push your kids to the point whereas kids have no they're like perceive. i need to move away like yeah, yeah. especially at 11 yeah. 11 as a child like yeah absolutely and like yeah that was that was the scariest thing i've ever done in my life um, i was gonna say was that a very um significant moment in your life that decision yes it was the best decision i've ever made in my life but it was so fucking tough um to do it and to deal with the consequences of that because like i said i was very distant with my dad didn't really know him um i would say probably in the early days i didn't get along with my stepmom because again i thought she was the enemy yeah um because obviously you think your mom and dad are supposed to be together together too so um there was that but i moved to galway uh, moved to Tume and there are two different worlds um i moved to st charlotte's uh, school which is like quite sporty and obviously like i said I, I barely play sports i dabbled a small bit like i probably played three soccer games and a hurling game um while i was in carlo that was all i really got um and then i moved to st charlotte's which is a football school yeah. and uh, everyone plays sports and everyone comes to play um football in charlotte's and um i just didn't like I didn't have anything in common with most of the people in the school. And I was going to say, was what so... was it like moving to a new county, a new school, not knowing anybody? That must have been terrifying. It was terrible. Like for the for the first month or two, I pretty much cried myself to sleep. I was up to like four a.m. every night crying myself to sleep. Like, yeah. Um, and again, I I didn't like think anything of it. It was just uh, like I don't know. It was just normal at the time. But um, but yeah, I really struggled to fit in. And then in the first, um probably year um I was picked on by like one or two individuals um like obviously I was an easy target I was um malnourished as fuck coming from Carlo um you know I was, you could see my ribs like yeah. that that's you know I was very very thin I was tiny um I'm very nervous. very small extremely nervous um, very very nervous so I couldn't make eye contact I learned to make eye contact when I was about 17 so yeah yeah like if yeah geez you like I can show people photos of me when I was like 15 and like I, you just want to give the kid a hug like um yeah. but yeah so yeah it was very rough especially to be the whole being picked on situation like I I had been picked on a small bit um when I did first year back in Carlo but uh, I moved to St. Charlotte's. Uh, it was about two months into second year. So I was kind of thrown into it uh, from the off. And um, yeah, it just took so long to catch up, especially because um, like I, I'm, I would say without being cocky, I'm a, I'm a, I am an intelligent person. Um, but when I went into first year back in Carlo, um, because of that whole, um, my mom making out I was sick and me, kind of feeding into it because I was like I can get away with things because of it um I missed about six months of first year so yeah. you know that whole getting the basics of French you know transitioning over to yeah. second level maths that that all I didn't didn't really do it I just sat at home um so then I moved to St Charlotte's which was probably a better school anyway and then so I was I was pretty much the in the dumb class um struggling through um for a while and then 
the whole bullying situation. Yeah, it was just it was it was a lot to deal with. Mm. Um, I would and what say. happened in the bullying situation, if you wouldn't mind talking about it? Um, I think yeah. I basically I was you know I was a sitting duck. I was a very easy target, and then so it started out a bit verbal, and then I remember like of a few situations before like classes where, um one person in particular like you know would like throw me on the ground and like kick me and then the weird part was that like everyone else just stood there and watched and like laughed that's the worst and, you know, part, thought, it, thought, thought, thought it was funny yeah like it was it was an all-boys school so it was you know very everyone's trying to be an alpha but yeah so that 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 was like it was so tough to and like it made me feel so isolated that everyone would just do that and um, the kid, like, he'd always try and put me down, like, and so I always felt, like, afraid to say anything or try and have some sort of personality because I just thought it was going to be put down. Um, yeah, so, like, how I how I kind of ended up on the path I am now um, in terms of my career and everything was that when the kids started bullying me, I was like, I kind of, you know, coughed. I was an easy target. So um, I went home and was like, I need to do something about this. Like, I can't just keep crying forever. So. I was there at home in my bedroom at like 12 o'clock at night and I'd come down the next day or I'd go into the kitchen the next day and the, my parents would be like, what were you doing last night? And I, I was like, oh, like, what do you mean? No, it wasn't me. But I, I was in my bed at like 11 o'clock at night doing push-ups and sit-ups and oh, uh, all these yeah. exercises just, just to like, just to have like, I was like, right, I need to be able to have some way to like protect myself. That was, that was even that was all the odds were against you, you still had that fight in you like yeah yeah well it was it was either a sink or swim that yeah. that's the way i looked at it at the time anyway um, and do and you then, remember yeah. what the bullying was there any teachers that got involved like how did you deal with the nerves and apprehension going into school facing that um i don't know i was i i think i was just such a quiet kid that i just never spoke up about it like i don't think i ever said it to a teacher no yeah. I, de I definitely never did and i never said it to my parents like yeah um, it's like if, I don't know if they'll hear this, but it's probably their first time going to hear it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, all I could do was, and like it's something I'm very, I I did quite often. I would just be practical about it. So I went and I I exercised and I did like get some sort of muscle because I was starting to eat properly and then I was training, and then I remember like a big milestone for me was, um, the same kid tried to uh basically I was in the changing rooms getting ready for PE. And he came in and he started like he usually did and uh, two of his friends were there and they told him to back down that i was that i'd probably kick his head in. and oh like, yeah that was you know, so that all the was bystanders were not worried of you like huh all the bystanders uh, well, were not worried of you yeah yeah well like the like the, the kid that was bullying me he wasn't like you know a top don in the social yeah. circle of school <laughs> um so he was like the guy that you know his mates his friend group would pick on and um, so he was just you know like that's how bullies work there is like there's always someone above them giving them shit and they just feed it on um so yeah so he he tried to start something then um you know his mates just they were like don't do it like he'll kill you um, yeah like it was such obviously at the time it was i didn't think about it but it was yeah it was such a major milestone and like it's it's so funny that like i don't I don't work out or exercise now to you know have people say that you have a great body or any of that crack but it honestly the amount of respect that like it just came about it because before no one respected me yeah. and then yeah now it's like just an unspoken thing and um, that people give when you like work on yourself and try and improve like people do recognize it yeah uh, yeah 
it's funny. But it's a sign of resilience, isn't it? Like, I, I think so. Yeah, it's a sign of um, definitely you're you're putting yourself into a different group of people when you're willing to work on yourself and willing to improve. Yeah, um, I suppose another thing in that then, like the only just before the pandemic started, I had started jujitsu, which was another way where I learned how to um, improve myself as a person or as a man. It was like um, I got into jujitsu and I started to see like physical altercations, both in a respectful sense. And um, it just like made me completely change how I viewed altercations and physical violence and how much respect I have for it now and how I'm so much more comfortable that like if I got into an altercation tomorrow um not that I'd be looking to go kick someone's head in or you use the moves I learned but I just feel so much more comfortable because I know how to defend myself or I know yeah. how to protect myself now and um, so I think for every young person um out there if they're in a similar situation um definitely don't be as stupid as I have definitely speak up about it but yeah don't be afraid to uh, work on yourself and don't be afraid to get I think every young person should have a martial art and um, yeah. to learn about respect and to learn that like physical violence isn't is a like if you respect it it's a beautiful thing um, but it shouldn't be a way to you um, I don't know putting yourself out there as an e egotistical thing yeah, yeah. yeah. but it is um, like it, it's sort of comforting in a way having like a martial art I know mean, I did boxing there for maybe six weeks or something like that but I just, you know, even walking home from nights out and stuff like that, I'm like way more confident, like walking home by myself, you know, um, Absolutely, just comfort yeah. with it, you know. And it's, it's sad in a way that it shouldn't be that you need to do a martial art to protect yourself or to yeah. feel comfortable walking home. But it, it is just it's, it's how the world is. And it, like, yeah, there is oh, there's always going to be bad people out there. But yeah, it definitely is a comforting thing that even just for your peace of mind that if something happened you would be able to protect yourself in some way um, mm -hmm. or to be able to deter people like if you um get into a boxing stance people is straight away they'll be like okay maybe not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i'm gonna ask you just but before we like move on from there uh you know when you moved when you were 11 or 12 and you reached out to your dad and he came down and collected you how did that um, go without having, you know, you had little contact for so long and then, he, you know, he just drove down and collected you. How is the adjust adjustment with, you know, the son father relationship? Like, how did you manage to, you know, bond with him after no contact? Um, because I was so after just before I had moved to Galway, I was seeing him. Uh, it was once a month because he had moved from Carlo to Galway. So I was seeing him once a month at the time. And um, but because I was such like a broken person, I would say at the time um, and up until like my late teens, I was broken. Um, so we didn't really have, I would say, have an emotional connection. Um, from the from my side anyway obviously he's my dad like he had an emotional connection to me but I was very distant with him Um, we do we don't have a whole lot in common like I'm mad about sports he the only sport he watches is Formula One um, which is why I have my name uh, I'm named after a driver yeah so we didn't really have much of an emotional connection and it's only probably in the last uh, definitely in recent years we've got a lot closer um, but I think a part of it as well is my dad, me and my dad are very alike. So we clashed quite a bit. And because I have that, like, 
resilient like hard work and like uh, run through fucking brick walls and he's always like he's kind of the more take the sensible option um so we clashed like all the time like i remember we had like a our only ever big screaming argument was i went from doing past maths and third year going up to doing honors for leaving cert and um like i was working like three hours a night just on maths and I remember he him like screaming, telling me to drop down that I was fucking being stupid. And I was like, I was like, there's no way. I was like, I passed my test. So I'm gonna keep going. And mm. uh, like we've we've had that all the time where like I've tried to push myself and he's always trying to pull me back. So yeah. Yeah, there was and there much there. Like even from that age. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I don't know. I don't know if I I maybe I'm just stubborn, but uh yeah, yeah it's got me this far. Yeah. Yeah, so um you're in secondary school um started working on yourself and you know that o- overcame a significant obstacle where the bullies st- stood down because you were you know big, bigger than them now um where did you go from there like leaving cert how did you find that um yeah so there was like quite a lot of positive growth from you know, getting over the bullies and stuff i started to I, I did TY. Um, I started to get a bit of social skills from that. Um, I had time to not focus on academics, not that I was really at the time. Um, but so I really got into the whole training exercise thing. And um, did you take up funny. sport actually? Did you start football? So as- yeah. So when I got into the training stuff, and I kind of got a bit stronger and a bit more um, fit, I started when I was in third year. I started soccer. Um, I was shite. I was, I was really, I was always really fast. I'm, I'm quite a good sprinter, but in terms of having, I had no ability in sport because I'd never done it. Never before, so yeah. It was a big gulf between me and everyone else. But the one thing I had was I, I worked hard. So um, when I was in uh, third year, I started that. When I was in TY, I started Gaelic football. And then when I was in fifth year, I started rugby. So I kind of transitioned between a few different sports and then rugby turned out to be the one I liked. Um, but yeah, so during that time, like the, I got into sports, I did start to get some social skills and um, still wasn't quite that good. Um, but yeah, fitness kind of became such a big part of my life. And it was kind of how I defined myself. Every like young person is trying to figure out who they are. And mm-hmm. for a while I was like, okay, fitness is who I am. Um, but because I was in that and because I was working on myself, I was always getting stronger, getting fitter. Uh, putting on more muscle and I was like right if I'm putting in hard work here it translates into an improvement in my life that's how I saw it, it was a bit of a metaphor and then so um, academically I started trying to once I got into fifth year and leaving cert I, I went from being a very average maybe below average student to starting to try to apply myself because I was like okay if I put the hard work in here it's going to get the same result and turns out it did hard work actually works um, so I started to improve quite a bit as a student and then I got like an academic achievement award in, in my uh, leave insert year and then so the year I did my leave insert was the year um, sports science came to GMIT so I was pretty much the first year to do the course but my, my life basically started to I completed different tide I became um, I, I became a much more improved person uh, academically I became much stronger and started to develop a work ethic um, because I was kind of had a bit more about me as well. I, I got my first girlfriend when I was in leaving her. Such a big deal because I like never oh, had like <laughs> obviously with everything going on beforehand. I, I was like I was like I don't even have time for women. Like I'm I'm too far <laughs> for that. Um, so yeah, so I got my first proper girlfriend in leaving search, which was a big deal. And yeah, and then I yeah, I was leaving search was quite a good year. I 
I don't know. I it would like I kind of peaked in leaving search, I suppose, socially. Mm-hmm. Um, p- people started to know who I was and that, and it, it was nice to finish off secondary school on a positive note. I would Absolutely, say because yeah. for a lot of it, it wasn't. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of there wasn't too much happening in there, apart from every now and again there was still something inside me that I knew I was broken and I go through phases where I'd I'd still cry myself to sleep every now and again um or I go through phases where I cut off from everyone um I was still afraid to like go into town with um I had a few friends by that stage and I was still keeping to myself um yeah. you know keeping in my bedroom um afraid like afraid to go into my own kitchen which was weird like I was always afraid I'd do something wrong and I'd get given out to um I was like I feel like I don't know if you've seen the videos on YouTube uh where they get like the rescue dogs and like the yeah. first time they meet them they're like really sheepish and they're hiding yeah. and then you teach them how to love and stuff and then they become pets um, and yeah. but it's just because I had a broken life before and that's honestly what I what I felt like I was always afraid I'd put a foot wrong and I was really anxious about doing something wrong that I'd get given out to um but thankfully, once I got into college, uh, I did first year and then I managed to move to Galway and had my own space. And yeah, it was just completely, I don't know, changed my everyday life, which was such yeah. a big deal. Uh, but yeah, getting into sports science was fucking the best thing that's ever happened to me, apart from moving to Galway. Yeah. Um, I went from having that really masculine secondary school experience where like everyone was trying to be cool. Um, and I was always, I was never cool. I was always a bit nerdy and yeah I got into a space where everyone was mad about exercise um everyone was quite intelligent yeah and because I think because everyone came from sports um their ability to communicate and work with people and support each other was it was just it was so weird like within a month of being in secondary school it was like I had a little family and that continued for like four years and it was yeah so it was like, it's like I have 30 best friends um uh, from from that course um so it was such a big deal for me yeah, I mean, um, yeah, was it like a you knew straight away when you left Leaving Cert what you wanted to do? Um, so when I was in Leaving Cert, um, originally I wanted to join the army. Um, that was the big thing for me because obviously I was in that like mindset of pushing myself and seeing how far I could take myself. And so that was what I originally wanted to do, but I was afraid my eyesight would fail me. Um, so I never tried then and then I only tried actually once I got my degree I tried to join the army last summer and it turns out the eyesight did fail me and so I didn't get in in the end but um, so I looked at a few different things um, but yeah sports science just became I was like I don't know I felt like I'd spent so much of my life trying to fucking just get by and I was like look um, sports science is what I want to do I knew I'd struggle to get a job in the area but I was like I'm sick of fucking just getting by. I want to follow my passion and just see where Absolutely. that takes. Do something for yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, th- thank fuck I did. Thank fuck mm-hmm. I did because yeah, it was, a, it was it was such a good decision. Um, but to be able to do something with like my heart in it just yeah. makes me a different different animal. Like I know if I was doing something to get by, like this this year I was working as a graduate mentor in GMIT and. It was a good job and everything and I got to do some good work, but it wasn't where my heart was and um, it just made like work twice as difficult. Um, so yeah. I can't wait to get back to study. Absolutely. Um, but but yeah, so after everything that you've been through and all the anxiety, you know, you had to endure for reasons that you weren't responsible for. You absolutely deserve now to do what you love. Yeah, well, yeah. I, and I, I say like that because I applied so, to yeah. myself and anyone else, but 
from hearing your yeah. story. Do you know what I mean? I'm so happy to hear that you went after some your passion then. Yeah, well, it's a big thing now. I've had to do a few uh, videos for students just because in that role, I was kind of like an ambassador for the college as well. Um, but yeah, it's a big thing I have for any young person is fucking like don't fucking settle for a job because your parents you know, told you to or your friends are going somewhere like you need to follow where your strengths are and where, where your heart is because otherwise you'll just end up on a wayward path um, at some point like the amount of students I've seen or people close to me that I've seen fall through the cracks just because they've picked a safe option or they haven't done anything um, with their heart or their mind in it like it's it's crazy so that's a, like a, for, for any student is just do 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 what your heart wants and you'll always find a way if you're if you work hard and you follow your heart you're how, how can you be stopped That's yeah my belief system anyway absolutely um but back to suppose so i'm in college um first year so you moved out when you went yeah when did you move out straight away in first year no so i financially um i was still dependent on the parents and stuff when i was in first year of college um but i was definitely getting to the point where i was like i didn't want to be at home anymore i was had to get a like bus from Tume at like seven o'clock in the morning to make it up for college. Uh, traffic's really bad coming from Tume to Galway, so it took like an hour and a half to get up to college. And were you eligible um, for Susie or anything? Um, so the page, so I got I think 130 quid. I needed to live a further two kilometers away to get the full grant. It's always the way, oh, isn't it? it? So always. yeah, it, it was it was a lot of balls. Um, but I was so at the time the summer of leaving cert, um, I managed to get my first part time job. Um, in Galway which was working in Supermax nice and I stayed there for well I, I did other things in between and I took breaks but I, that was the bulk of my four years um, in college I was working for Supermax and that put me through college so after first year I had money to move to Galway um, yeah so I moved up the end of first year uh, worked full-time for that summer and then so second year was kind of my first time living in Galway properly um but yeah supermax it's a, it's, a, it's a very good experience i would say it taught me a lot <laughs> like however resilient and hard working i was before that took me to another whole other level again really um de dealing with um abusive customers and um lazy co-workers and like not every co-worker was lazy but it was they were all students for the most part and yeah. they didn't want to be there whereas my mindset was that like if i can't do supermax properly I'm a waste of oxygen. That's how I looked at it. So I was like, I need to be wow. the best fucking party. Were you prone to be hard on yourself? Huh? You're prone to being hard on yourself. Uh, definitely, yeah. I don't one of my, I suppose, belief systems that like I, I don't think I've ever put out there. Um, but like I don't ever want to well, firstly, so I've had depression and I know I it comes and goes throughout life, but however like shit that's going to make my life I want to make my life as good as possible so that the shit isn't as shit and then also like one day if I'm lucky enough to have a family I don't want my kids to ever go through what I went through so I need to that's that's my like belief system for being hard on myself is that like okay. I want to create as good a situation um, pretty yeah. much. um but yeah I eventually ended up being a manager in Supermax so I did I did something right I was like 20 when yeah. I got managers fair fucking sure. great to you uh, it is what it is um <laughs> I, i'm glad i'm not working there anymore at the same time um but yeah so I, I was living up in college for a second year um i was in a long-term relationship with someone else at that stage um so pretty much any free time i had uh, in between study was spent with that person i didn't really i wasn't a major drinker i still had 
back then I had a, probably a poor relationship with alcohol in the sense that I saw what it did to my family situation and I didn't want to like I, I felt guilty if I drank alcohol or I was always afraid about I was always like shifty around drunk people even if they yeah. were my friends because of yeah, it makes sense, the though. whole thing yeah um so yeah so I didn't go out that much um but I was working uh, really hard academically I was working four days a week in supermax and then towards the end of second year um that's when like my life got quite interesting I would say um towards the end of second year college my dad was in I would say a serious car crash um and I only found out about it it was funny I was up in Dublin doing an abseil off Crow Park for Jigsaw would you know who there yeah yeah so I, I was doing an abseil off Crow Park with the girl I was with at the time um was we were absent off Crow Park I went back to get some food um after after we did the event and I was on Facebook and I saw my dad put up a photo of him in a hospital bed and my dad doesn't post on social media ever but I think just because his head was like because he was fried from the car crash um he'd put up a photo of him in a hospital bed so I had to call my stepmom straight away and she's like uh, he was in the car crash basically the day before and they didn't want to tell me until I got back from Dublin um but yeah like I just went numb in that instant I was struggling like mentally at the time um I was feeling really overwhelmed and stuff but when I just saw that like and when I heard what happened like I, I would say every part of me just shut down like yeah um, just went completely numb. absolutely um so yeah I went home that day and I tried to like be normal I went to the gym and stuff but uh yeah I just I was I was broken um, but that was in about May and progressively that summer um, I was trying to ignore what was going on. I was getting worse um, probably by the week and I had started, I was working in Supermax. Um, I was doing like two work experience things. I was doing a personal training internship and then I was uh, preparing plans to work with a soccer team in Galway. And then I was trying to maintain a relationship, but I had like no emotional energy to even care about the person um and so i just like i ran myself in the ground i was working like 60 hours a week at least mm. and all to avoid like thinking about what was going on yeah. uh, internally and my dad was obviously like going through a car crash and stuff going through that it wasn't healthy either um I'll just leave it at that but um it got to the point where in september um i kind of reached a breaking point i i ended the relationship i was in because i was afraid to tell the truth probably more so um you know as a man like you're trying to be that rock and i was just i wasn't that rock yeah um, it was it's too much you had so much going on you know it's understandable yeah but like uh, there was mistakes made anyway in in my approach to everything and uh then once i lost the relationship i kind of broke down fully because you know that, that was my rock too <clears throat> so that was gone um and then everything came to a head uh after I lost that I tried to fix the relationship and obviously I broke someone's I, I lost someone's trust because I lied to them about my situation which was completely fair um but then so um where am I yes I was in work then that day when I when I realized I, I'd fucked everything in that sense and 
realized how bad I was. I was in work and I was trying to make a pizza and I was crying over the pizza. I was just like, it, it was funny looking back, like I'd love to see the camera footage of it. Yeah. But, uh, I, was, <laughs> I, I was like trying to pretend everything was fine as I was yeah. crying, like, and customers could see me like, uh, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so I, I, I left work. I, I told my boss I had to go and then I left work, uh, called my stepmom and I was like, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. And she drove straight up to Galway. Oh, she sounds like a dove. Yeah, she's she's awesome, and I I told her basically everything that had happened in the months before, and she just like just held me, and yeah. probably first time hugging her to be fair, but yeah, she just yeah. Held me, like, <laughs> no words needed. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, and then I I spent like I was probably like fucked for a good two months, kind of before that it was there was two weeks where I started developing anxiety for the first time, and I was trying to ignore that. Um, but it took like a good two months, I would say, before um, I started to like get better from things. I was like crying every day um, just because I did. I, I was so down and I was so numb. It's weird with depression that you feel numb, but at the same time, you're feeling so many emotions. And because I had uh, anxiety and I was having panic attacks, I go from like being rock bottom to being like on edge all the time. Like I'd be in a lecture and I just have to go and like cry in a cubicle and then go back and like everyone's like oh you look really tired but it was actually because I was crying my fucking eyes out and, yeah, yeah but fair play yeah, to you you kept fighting like the fact that you've been turning up to lectures is really admirable like yeah I, I, I don't know I felt like to I didn't want depression to be a crutch on my life I was like if I can get through depression um, another one of my life mottos I suppose I'd share but if I I was like if I can get through depression um with everything that's happened to me um with my situation and keep pushing despite having depression I was like like what the fuck can mess with me going forward I was like if I can get through depression and still work on myself as a person and still try my hardest then you know I don't know what the fuck is going to hurt me in life now like it, it doesn't matter what happens um I in a sense I'm bulletproof now I'm sure life's going to try to push my buttons at some stage but uh yeah. for the most part I I feel bulletproof in that sense um you still like keeping up all your like sports and all your side things that were going on while you like had noticed this like anxiety that came um, so at the time I was actually uh once I got into college I so I broke my collarbone just before I went into college so I wasn't playing sports for a while and then I got into bodybuilding um because I was able to go to decent gyms in Galway that we didn't really have them back in Chum at the time um, so I got into bodybuilding. I was doing that for uh, about two years. And then this stuff started happening. And yeah, uh, I wasn't really, um, I, I tried to keep going to the gym, but uh, my sessions were terrible because I was a mess. Yeah. And my my nutrition had went out the window. I was so anxious and like depressed all the time that I never had an appetite anyway. Or like mm -hmm. for the first week, two weeks. Um, if I try to eat food, I just puke it back up. Um, sorry for the graphicness of oh. that, but um, yeah, my stomach just, or like my whole body rejected food. I didn't want to sleep. Um, so none of that was really, I suppose, going um, well. And then I'd, I was late with one assignment um, and I had to explain to the lecturer what was going on. And he managed to get me, like, shout out to John Duggan, you're an absolute legend. 
Um, but I, I had been a little bastard to him uh, when I was going through my depression. I wasn't going to his lectures because I was doing a PT internship, but I didn't tell him why I was just, I, and I, if you ever asked, I just got cheeky with him. Um, and yeah, he, he managed to get me an emergency counseling session in GMIT. And that was when I went in. I was like, I don't know what I want to talk about. I was still kind of in denial, but I was like, I don't know what I want to talk about here. And uh, the girl just goes, so, so what's going on? And I just fucking cried. I just, yeah. <laughs> I, I tried to talk and then, and then I just cried for about 40 minutes. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe counseling is something I should explore. Yeah. Um, that so was your first experience with counseling? Yes. The only other time I had anything like that was we had a career guidance counselor, like one-on-one -on -one meetings in Liebensert. And a counselor asked me, how are things at home? Or um, how am I doing or something like that? And it was just one question. I just cried for 20 minutes to her, but then I had to go back for a study. So I didn't really get to talk yeah. about anything. I just cried. Um, but yes, that was my first experience of counseling. It was just crying, but I was like, okay, there's something here that might be useful. And so I went on the waiting list with uh, Let's Get Talking. They're up in Lisbon and they do like counseling based on uh kind of your income they're a charity but the, they've yeah. uh say psychotherapists and everything in there our roommate actually did a fundraiser good. recently for them um, oh really but yeah i love the way they do that um you know you just pay by what you think you know you can provide yeah really yeah it was, it was definitely it made, it made it possible like yeah yeah no it's it they're they're a brilliant charity and um they were the only ones like i so they kept me waiting not that they kept me waiting but there was a waiting list of six weeks to speak to them I went on the waiting list for the national service in Ireland and so I applied in October and I didn't hear back from the Irish service until May um, no. so it was like you know six or seven months um, waiting like and you know, not right. it's it's kind of sad that like not everyone's going to have like I, I had a brilliant support system so um, but even at the same time like I remember when I hit rock bottom I did start to slip into the mindset of like like why am I even bothering with anything like life seemed pointless and I was like why am I going through all this pain like that's the first step towards going down a very dark path um, but I, I thankfully I had a brilliant support system and I got through it and um, whereas not everyone has that and that it is a scary thing in Ireland that you know that that is the reality of the situation that people don't have six months if they hit rock bottom they don't have six months but yeah anyway um where are we um oh yeah so I started going to counsellors and then, so I was, I did only ended up only doing six counseling sessions with Let's Get Talking before I felt good again. Um, mm -hmm. There were six like intense um, explorations of, I suppose, my childhood, my situation. Yeah, there's so much to unpack there though, especially for someone who hasn't verbalized it before. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it got very deep. Um, but by the last session, thankfully, like, I, I was exploring so much myself at the same time as I was going to a counselor, um, a good thing if anyone's going through stuff. Um, the first thing we agreed on was I kept the journal and because I hadn't been on speaking terms with my mother um, and because I'd never like my dad's going through stuff too. So any conversations I need to have with him or anything I need to verbalize, I couldn't really verbalize with him because I don't know if he was going through enough himself. And then I obviously I'd lost a relationship too, so I couldn't have conversations there um so the first thing this counselor got me to do was keep a journal and any conversations i wanted to have with people i'd have them on a page and so i worked through all the stuff kind of at home and then when i went to them we just build on what conversations were in the book Great um, so yes yeah, so we got through a crazy amount of stuff in that time frame and all the stuff that comes up i'd say when you're having that pretend conversation on paper all the stuff that comes up i, I say it surprised you 
or I can imagine it might have like stuff that came there up is, in your there is so many um eureka moments like where the light bulb is going off in my yeah. head it's like I I'd like I'd try and verbalize things and the, the whole thing was I had to get angry as possible I wasn't allowed to like write neatly or be polite and yeah, I was yeah. right and I had to get like as if I was screaming at someone basically mm. um but yeah there's so many like stuff that I realized how it manifested in my life um like so that that whole thing about not feeling comfortable like around my partner's family that was because my family was so messed up um just li little things like that I'd, I'd start to pick up on um how my depression and how my childhood had affected how I carry myself as a person and how I implement things in my life and that's where I started to go okay I need to basically one by one I wrote down everything toxic I was doing in my life and started to unravel uh, each one and try and address each one one by one because I was mm -hmm. like okay this stuff is manifested I need to address each of these and the more I move towards um, addressing these the better I'll get and the more I move away from depression yeah uh, it's like, like you, you look, applied like your your you know your work in counseling I feel like you're the same when you were in school or when you when you started in the gym or with martial arts you just went head first every problem straight on do you know what I mean? There are no deviations. You were not um, backing down from yourself or the mistakes that you made. Like, that's really, that's really cool. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, the, the big thing was me, like, the first, so I had to, I did have to go to see a GP to get, like, diagnosed with depression. And uh, because of that, like, he did write me a prescription for um, medication um, at the time. And I, I just put it out there, like, if you're taking medication, that's completely cool. Um, you know, take your medication if it helps you feel better. But from my point of view, I was like, I knew how fucked up my life was and I knew how bad I was how I was letting my depression run me and how I was doing like so many things that were making things worse by not speaking that sort of stuff and I didn't want to take medication to mask that because if I took medication I'd only be masking over everything Absolutely, I was yeah. and everything I was avoiding it so I wanted to how quickly did your GP uh, prescribe the antidepressants too quickly <laughs> yeah it always is <laughs> like it? two minutes of the conversation like it was yeah. like he was a lovely man but he's like uh, take this medication make sure you get you get a, like some exercise in as if i wasn't exercising anyway like i thought like he was asking those questions and like i was already exercising that wasn't the yeah, issue yeah. um i just think yeah, it's so like, important to raise awareness for that because so many people you know like yourself or ourselves like go through things and like depression is valid you know you know and a lot of the time it's because you went through something that you weren't supposed to go through or you know there's feelings there that need to be acknowledged and the amount of times where people just prescribed antidepressants it's like oh it's irrational it's in your brain this will fix it and no one's no one's feelings and lives are getting validated yeah i think so yeah um like don't I'm get me wrong i know yeah, like you said i'm not discrediting anyone who's on antidepressants if it makes you feel better however you can survive you know everything that helps is good but I'm, I am concerned about how quickly people are offered antidepressants and not asked enough questions. Yeah, I, and that's, I, that's, it's the catch 22 whereby, um, like medication is, is great. I know plenty of people that are on medication and find it really beneficial and it offers a lot to their lives. But um, ideally it should be a sense that people should go, like GPs aren't counselors and people should go have the conversations. But at, at the same time, the catch 22 is that there isn't enough supports yeah. in Ireland for that and also like 
it depends on like I do have friends who like would never go near a counselor they're comfortable taking medication but they never go near a counselor and like it's not that you can force someone into that situation where I, I'm not comfortable taking medication but I go speak to a counselor so it's I think it's they're trying to have a holistic approach where they can cover everyone in whatever way they see it but definitely I do think medication is offered too quickly yeah um, but yeah until the government starts respecting that it's an underfunded area like how many people have you know, committed suicide since the pandemic compared to COVID deaths? Like, you know, if you look at those numbers, you'll you'll see, um, you know, how much money have we put into, you know, fighting the pandemic, or how much money has been, um, lost by businesses for during the pandemic. But then we just ignore the fact that suicide and mental health issues are. Yeah, um, and it took you way, seven way months worse. to get uh, like a, a spot with the council. Yeah, and that that was just an initial assessment. It would have been longer again. Yeah while dealing with depression and everything else like that's a seat like it's serious you need help yeah, absolutely like and yeah it's, it's it's tough it is tough but that's the situation so all i could do in the meantime was go to the counseling sessions with let's get talking and then work through my little list and then um another thing i had to do was completely address that whole bodybuilding training thing um because it was such a big part of my life um, I had to um, completely change my relationship with it um, because when I was like I said I was getting sick quite a bit and I had no appetite because I had depression but at the time um, I was bulking for I was going to compete in bodybuilding and so at the time I was supposed to be eating like 3,500 calories a day mm. but I, like I said I didn't want to eat um, yeah. and so it made me really anxious then because I, in the evenings I was trying to play catch up and get all my mm -hmm. calories in so I was trying to like force feed myself pizza and shit like this to try and yeah, uh, get all my calories in. And, yeah, and because I was so psychologically stressed, um, my body was feeling physiological stress because of it. I was always inflamed. I wasn't recovering um, from my training because I wasn't sleeping properly and because I wasn't eating the right foods. And um, so I like my body, I just felt aches and pains everywhere. Um, I was having headaches all the time. I felt lethargic um, if I did too much exercise. Well, not too much. If I did enough exercise, like what I was normally doing um, in my broken state, I would like get heart palpitations. I get dizzy. Um, I was a mess. So I had to scale it back from training like six times a week to training twice a week yeah. and just doing really simple stuff just to, um, because exercise, like it's something I was, I was nearly going to do a PhD in it until I got the, the area I'm going in now. But um, like exercise has such a big effect on people's mental health um, especially depression and anxiety depending on what you do um, but like just basics I went for walks three times a week um, nice and light and then I went into the gym and just did like six exercises compared to my usual 10 so I went in and did like 40 minute workouts yeah. and I uh, did stuff really light and like it had such a big impact and I started to enjoy things a lot more because I wasn't putting a lot of pressure on myself um, and it's something I'm still kind of doing now. Like I've, I've every year I'll add in a bit more to it, but I'd never go back to pushing myself and force feeding myself like how I used to because it's definitely not healthy. Um, and I know we see stuff on social media about all our fit fan crew and mm. uh, the people I used to look up to when I, you know, didn't cop the wrong steroids. Uh, eventually learned about that in college, but yeah, like their 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 realities are not mm. our realities and never will be. Um, but yeah, and you don't need to be or, like, yeah, addictive trap to fall into, mm -hmm. like, especially like Instagram, like it's, 
it's a hole you can fall into and think it's the most positive thing in the world and not see that this actually might be good for me. I don't know, in my own experience. Yeah, yeah, no, de- definitely. Like, and even like I was in around, um, and it's funny because I, I talk about how like I push myself and stuff, but I was still in that space where I was like following these people to a T and they were talking about how like you need to push yourself to the limit every time you go into the gym and like I was completely fucking my health and I was like they were like oh like you have to sacrifice everything if you want to achieve a goal so I wasn't spending time with friends or like going out for food with friends and like like but if you see those people and see how perfect they are inverted commas perfect and you're a young person and you're lost in life and you're trying to find something to build towards, then you're looking at those people and going, right, if I do what they do, I'll get there. But yeah. um, the reality is they haven't been through what you've been through and their situation isn't your situation. Yeah. Um, and they might be themselves honestly genetics. like. Yes, yeah, for sure. Like um, I liked what you said there like, about the going out for food with friends because so true, like when you're in that headspace and all you're trying to do is improve yourself and improve your life and you think, okay, well, if I eat well and train properly, then you know I'm working on myself and I'm improving, and so you don't go out with your friends, you know, for a meal or whatever, because you're like, well, I, I'm not, I'm keeping to my clean foods, whatever. And as a you know, you might be going through something and not know that all you need is a community, all you need is your friends, a conversation, sit down, eat a meal with them. That is all you need, and you're there, uh, striving for this to fix your problems. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a control thing. It's funny. I have one funny memory about like how how bad it gets and I suppose the big thing to mention is that uh like it's not just enough to go for food with friends but it's to be present yeah. when yeah. you're with the people and not be thinking about your own stuff because I remember situations where I remember my first time in the beer tent I went straight from the gym and I was there going through my fitness pal trying to log a stein into my calories for the day <laughs> and I spent like 20 minutes doing it and sure everyone else was onto their fucking second sign at that stage but I was here panicking about fucking logging a sign so yeah, yeah definitely being present is the big thing um when you're with people when you're with people if you're with a partner if you're with a friend um get rid of the phone um leave your work at work and then spend time with people in their presence yeah and um yeah that that's the big thing it's not doing stuff for the sake of it it's uh being fully present and being fully there um in body and mind when you're with people and Mm. jesus yeah that's like i don't know how i survived without doing that now to be honest yeah yeah i know i know you learned the lessons the hard way don't you (laughs) this time yeah for sure that's great um so yeah so eventually yeah now i'm that would that was my whole um eventful 2019 at the end of that so I finished up counseling probably in about February and then I ended up going on a J1 I don't know how long we've been talking by the way um, I think we're just coming up to an hour but you're I think you're on your like last we're like on the last point here now so it's going very fluidly yeah, we'll, we'll finish off in very positive notes yeah, but, um, yeah so after all that happened um so I got to about February and I was like right okay this is like I've made such amazing progress um I've done things that like I was scared shitless of like going to cancel etc and I was like I started to realize the more I do things that scare the shit out of me the better my life gets absolutely it's, it's it's a it's a philosophy now so the, the next thing on my agenda then was to do a j1 it's um, so funny um I I really can relate to that I was a very like scared person for a while and then I started doing things that scared the shit out of me it's mad how quickly you've become immune to them Yes, yeah, yeah. Then, like um, the stuff yeah, that used to be so scary now it gets a bit boring, like. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just looking for a thrill every time. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, it was it was so funny. Like the changes I made, I was able to. Um, I worked so at the time. Then I started working like forty hours a week. Um, I had PT clients. I was working in a gym, uh, coaching clients, and then I was working at Supermax as well, all to like save up to get a uh, to go on the J one. And then I went out to Chicago, um, threw myself into social situations. Uh, wow. with complete strangers and uh, like yeah it was so weird it was the first time in my life that like I did that and I met friends like genuinely just people who like me for me didn't know about my situation who weren't in my course like it was just organic relationships um, and that was really special and then I came home um, kept up the the nightlife situation when I was in final year of college I was like all right this is gonna be a tough year um, but yes yeah, so I made sure that if there was ever a night out um, at least once a week I'd go on the night out and uh, go into work drunk the next day um, I learned how to do that in a J1 it was unreal I have to say um, like that you took yeah. on the drinking and social life head on like with yeah yeah head yeah head I was like I am like not head. being a dry shite again yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah that's what got me through I got my first class honours finished like top of my class um, in sports science in my final year um, just at the like tip of the pandemic um then got my graduate mentor job I've uh, been doing that for 10 months now I finish up Wednesday and then I start my scholarship and I'm on the road anyway at least to a PhD which is like the the goal and then I'd love to get out of Galway and see the world a bit yeah so, amazing um, yeah I suppose the only other thing I'd like to round off the call with is that like um I do have I like because of this and even having conversations like this I think it's so special um, and I've become a big mental health advocate and just for people to speak up and again we're, we're not unique in any way just because we have a story but everyone should share their story and should I suppose at least acknowledge your own situation um, but yeah feel free to follow the Instagram it's Ayrton Health um, which is A-Y-R-T-O-N um you'll probably spell it wrong even when you search that but yeah so that that's the instagram uh gonna push what it we'll put it underneath the podcast forward. as well yes yeah if you wouldn't mind um but yeah i think mental health advocacy and like definitely even uh, as we were saying before there's enough resources um so every year i try to do at least one fundraiser and um, i've done november the last two years um look like an 80s porn star this year is pretty cool <laughs> but yeah definitely and then so i'm in a healthy campus uh, working group in gmit um will be in september as well but so i'll be doing a lot of mental health stuff um come september as well and yeah just one thing like one lesson i did learn that is quite good for your mental health because we can get caught up so much in our situations um come january there i started working or volunteering with cope and it was just I wanted to have something to do on the weekends and I wanted to not be so focused on myself because I was at home in my bedroom all the time and yeah it's made a very big impact and I think it like I haven't looked at the research um just too much research for anything you're looking at but um I know for a fact it does have a really big positive impact on people's um mental health to be volunteering um so yeah maybe find like if anyone's having a tough time or just feeling down um find uh, charity that you're interested in and see there is uh, volunteering websites uh, all around Ireland and there's people crying out for stuff especially once we get out of this pandemic like there's elderly people and homeless people and there's a lot of people that do need help um, and it can have a big impact in uh, your pre appreciation for life and 
Do you know, we've yeah. all true, been through shit situations and everyone has a story, but I think the thing is that there's no point in us getting better if we don't give back and try and prevent people being in similar situations to what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so just a bit of advice there. If you're um, ever fearing volunteering or if you've never thought about it before, maybe consider it because it can have a big impact on yourself and the wider society too. Mm. Um, we, we might just ask you like uh, two questions or advice to give we just started doing this at the end of the podcast um so from your own experience like what advice would you give to young kids in unsafe environments in broken homes you know even if it's a kid in, in secondary school listening to this and they don't think that their home is you know the, the ideal place for them or they, they don't feel 100 percent safe what advice would you give or like wor- words of wisdom um yeah so like in terms of practical things what to do i can't really tell a kid to like leave home because god knows their situation and who know i don't i don't know the logistics of you know being a foster kid but in terms of like personally um my advice is don't let your situations um dictate your future like whatever you're in i have it tattooed because i'm a cringy fucker but um i basically have like a tattoo on my forearm of an hourglass and demons wrapping around it but um like it's it's another one of my lovely mottos but um basically what i'm what i was trying to say with it was and um, don't like don't let the demons of your past take away the precious time that you have left like no matter how far you've come or what you've been through um don't forget that you still have so much living to do and like especially i suppose with my depression was as soon as i conquered that and as soon as i overcame that like life was so much brighter um i was smiling all the time uh, food tasted better um so everything becomes so much more pure and so much more happier and um, so just because you've been through a situation doesn't mean that that's going to be your future and um again you have the power to do and have an enormous impact and a purpose in your life that once you do get through this you can do your bit to make sure people don't end up in the same situation um so i like i don't know if that's practical advice but just it's something to remember and um, that yeah you can always um, help people in a similar situation and your life is always going to get better um, yeah. no matter what happens absolutely that's great advice um i'm trying to think of another good one now from his own experience um just like as a mental health advocate it's actually men's mental health week actually i think is it still men's mental health week or is it last week i think it was, was it last week <laughs> ah, it, was, okay. it was last week oh we were trying to time it nicely sorry go on <laughs> Um, just, yeah, just in the post, just following men's mental health. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was really interested to like just ask because um, you put up your IGTV um, on your Instagram and obviously like the podcast is about vulnerability and stuff like that. But have you seen like any benefits from being like so vulnerable and telling your story? Like have any of your friends came up and like said something to you or opened up because they see you being so vulnerable? Yeah. Um yeah so when i put up the igt uh the the instagram video i uh i was afraid like i didn't want to see the responses and i didn't put it up for people to like you know like my post or comment or whatever um so what i did was i turned off notifications for like hours and uh, i went back on and like that page only has like 180 followers or something and we had like it was on like fucking 700 views or something so i don't know where all the people came from but yeah it kind of did um get a good response and i had a lot of people messaging me um either in personal situations or people they're close to um just 
thanking me for sharing my message or you know um like a, that wasn't something only my closest friends knew about so uh, yeah a lot of friends were like messaging me just being like how the fuck did i not know this or so yeah i just appreciating the the experience that i've been through um but yeah like it's there for even if only one person realizes okay i should go speak to someone um that that's a win in my book um and that's what it always is like i don't care if the person ever speaks to me like if it just puts it in their mind that um that okay it might be worthwhile for them to speak to someone that's that's all that's all you need just one person yeah yeah um, which uh, definitely like a big fear um having these conversations is like even when I talk about pe- the people in my story um like I don't think my mom will ever see this because I have a private Instagram account <laughs> it's it's yeah. um mm-hmm. but yeah like even when I put up the IG uh, video I had to kind of clarify things with you know when I was sharing my story it was my point of view and the way where I talk like that um I might have um upset my dad or my stepmom where I talk about like me not being close with them and it wasn't that I was saying they weren't trying to be close with me but it was just saying that because I was so fucked up I wasn't close yeah. with them but yeah I think everyone when they're sharing a story especially if it's like personal family and stuff they're always afraid they're going to offend people but yeah and we see that with the podcast people are afraid to speak about their experiences in case they offend people in their lives you know but it's important to know everyone's entitled and to tell their story it's your story you know, but I understand why it's hard when you think of loved ones and stuff, you don't upset them. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's I, I said things to them now since that conversation that, like, you know, I had to kind of clarify things with them that, like, fucking, if I didn't have my dad and my stepmom, um, and it, it wasn't like an argument or anything, but it was, it was just a healthy conversation about it. But, like, if I didn't have them, I probably wouldn't be alive, you know, and I'd mm-hmm. never said that to them. I had never told them, how much they've done for me um, yeah. but because I've had that conversation with them now um, I suppose not that we're closer you know that that sound a bit hippie-ish but uh, definitely yeah I, I hope they understand how much I appreciate them now but um, mm. I had never said that because I had never shared the story but that's it and that's what we've seen like with people coming on talking about the, or on the podcast people are so afraid to tell their story you know for that reason offending people and exposing their family members but often if you're honest it opens up a lot more space for honest conversations and it allows you to get closer to the people around you not offend them for sure for sure because i think if we hide stuff um people never know the real us so there's always going to be an invisible barrier there yeah um, and relationships are built on um supporting each other through the good times and the bad times so if you're never sharing the bad times then it's not a real relationship you have with the other person mm. um that's a big thing. I was always afraid to tell partners about my situation, but now I, I just understand that. Like, if I told a girl, like I've only in early days a relationship now, but you know, I was able to tell them my situation. Ooh, exactly. they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I give her a shout out now, but like, no, but um, you know, it was I. I'd only we were only like got together like the I don't know first or second time or whatever and then I put up that IG video and I was like that could probably scare that person away um but it's good to expose it, yourself early it, like yeah that's it and like it, it's my story so I like if someone to be fair if someone was like okay that's a bit much for me I'd, I'd respect that like that's fine but yeah. um it wasn't and now now I don't have anything to hide because it's all over Instagram so it's fine yeah. um so yeah, like I think I think it's healthy to have those conversations because you don't want to be avoiding that, and you're never going to open up fully to the person 
um, in every sense if you don't share your story. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, wow, amazing to hear your story. Like, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Unreal. Yeah, you're really admirable. Like, even listening to you, like, uh, you have to respect what you've been through and what your message is. Like, we, I really align with it and really respect it. Um. Yeah. Thank. Thanks for. Your <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> I don't like compliments. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I really appreciate your story um and like the 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 work you're trying to do like humans in new york and uh, which i presume was the inspo for this yeah it actually was um, yeah yeah no I, I like i used to love those stories and I, I used to always think like it just made me think about like the people you see every day and even when i was working in customer service and like i'd see people come in and they'd get angry and they shout at me for no reason i'm like that's it's not me it's saying that like that person has their own story it's something's yeah. happened to them today that they're venting at me and like yeah you start to appreciate that everyone has their story and yeah you, know, you become less judgmental when you start very to true. share these stories but um very true yeah jesus it's it's really good work you're doing and i hope i hope you get the big blow up because you deserve it um, yeah we're going global <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah thank Are you, you okay? very much everyone for listening um I hope I didn't bore you too much. Um, you better not be crying. And I hope you have a lovely week. Lovely. Thanks, Thank you. Man.